Ben Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 136 of Curry in the Pot. I'm your host, I'm your guy, Mike Curry, and I'm back here with another episode, another quarantine-style episode. It's been a little minute since I last talked to you guys. I think the last time I did an episode was a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, man, it was fun, man. It was uh, We talked about Mahomes' mega deal and a bunch of other stuff, man, but if you missed another episode that I did a couple of weeks ago with my guy, Chris Adorichim of DC United and my guy, Ja'Cory Hayes of Minnesota United, it was a very nice episode, man. Those two young men talked about social injustice in America. They also talked about the MLS season returning, and they're currently playing. They are in Orlando, and they're in the bubble. Uh, you know, NBA's in the bubble as well. But yeah, man, uh, that was a good episode I did a couple of weeks ago. But I thank all of you guys for being here tonight. And as you can see, I am turned on the widescreen angle, so you're going to have to turn your phones tonight. But I have a lot of stuff to talk about, man. Uh, we are in the midst of a pandemic, so I still want to encourage everyone to stay home and stay safe. And just make sure you're being safe, man. Just make sure you're wearing your mask, washing your hands. And shout out to all the essential workers, all the doctors, all the nurses, all the people handling mail, all the people working in restaurants. I know a lot of stuff are opening up in different states like that, but I still want everybody to be cautious and stay home and stay safe. But like I said, man, I have a ton of stuff to talk about, man. I have a bevy of stuff to talk about and we got a lot, man. So we have my first topic I want to talk about is the players wanting to play and the NFL finally agreed to do daily testing. So yesterday, a lot of players were tweeting. Drew Brees was tweeting. Odell Beckham Jr. was tweeting. Russell Wilson was tweeting. Basically, these players got on the NFL's case, man. They got on the NFL's case and basically said, we want to play, but we want to make sure that the proper safety precautions are, you know, being taken. They want to play. And as a result, the NFL finally agreed to do daily testing. Now, in my opinion, that's something that should have been done. You know, you see the NBA being very proactive. The MLS, they, they have a bubble. Players are getting tested on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's just, to me, the NFL should have been on that. The NFL is very backwards. You know what I'm saying? They're backwards in a sense that they ban players from being able to swap jerseys after the game. I don't understand that because... Players get to hit each other. Offense alignment, defense alignment are in the trenches. But after the game, they can't do a quick jersey swap. That doesn't make sense. You know, you're going to let players hit each other for four quarters, but they can't swap jerseys. That's backwards. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So, like I said, man, the NFL has always been backwards on certain things. But I'm just finally glad that they're going to have testing, daily testing, because that's what they deserve. And it was also announced that there, there may not be a preseason. At first, it was shortened to two games. Now, there may not be a preseason at all. And on the downside, that sucks for guys, you know, scratching and clawing, trying to make the team, the undrafted players who actually need those games that are very necessary for them to make an NFL roster. So it does suck for those guys. But, you know, nothing is really normal in today's world, in today's society. So I think no preseason would be what's best. So... Yeah, that was my first topic. Um, my next topic that I wanted to get into was the article that came out in the Washington Post about the Washington Redskins 
uh, being involved in sexual harassment of like many women and it's been going on for a few years now. Now, I don't want to sound disrespectful or anything, but I thought based on the buildup and what, you know, what rumors were circulating, I thought that article was going to be a lot worse. Now, I'm not condoning sexual harassment. That is that is not to happen and not to be allowed and not to be condoned in any environment whatsoever. But a lot of stuff that came out was basically saying that, that, you know, it was stuff with Jay Gruden and Dan Snyder going on and they were having sex parties and stuff of that nature. But in the article, it really just talked about the sexual harassment. Um, females that work within the organization were told to wear tight clothes and short skirts and stuff like that. And and just guys that are no longer with the organization, the voice of the Redskins, Larry Michael, he abruptly retired the other day and you know his name was dropped in that article the very next day. Um, players that work in, I mean, not players, personnel people that worked in the front office, including Alex Santos was also fired. And another, another gentleman was fired as well. But I just, I'm just here to say that that's, that's embarrassing. And I'm sure as sad as it is to say that stuff is probably happening in other environments and it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't, it shouldn't happen like that. That's, that's unacceptable sexual harassment. Yes, it does occur all the time, but it, it shouldn't happen like that. It really shouldn't. And the other stuff, the other rumors, they're crazy. And I know Dan Snyder is getting a lot of heat, but there's a possibility that he may have not known that any of that stuff was going on, man. You're, you're an owner, so you're not necessarily there on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, but shame on the whole organization. Shame on the whole Washington organization. I know they changed their name. Well, they're going to change their name. They will no longer be using a nickname. But, you know, that's, that stuff shouldn't happen regardless. So that is an absolute embarrassment for that organization. I want to move on to a bit of a lighter note. And it's farewell to the Redskins nickname, a nickname that stood from 1933 to 2020. And I wanted to talk about some of the memorable moments in my lifetime. I'm not going to get into the, the most memorable moments, you know, the glory days where I wasn't alive. But I really just want to talk about the, the big moments or the most memorable moments, rather, that occurred in my lifetime. And I also want to read off some final stats about the Redskins. So... Give me one second. Uh, hello to everybody that's here. I see my guy Zeke just checked in. I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. But yeah, man, I'm going to read a list of memorable moments that I compiled. And I have a few honorable mentions before I get into the actual list. So my first honorable mention is the Monday Night Miracle game. It was, I believe it was like 2005 or 2006. Uh, the Redskins had a Monday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you know, Redskins-Cowboys games are always a huge deal, but this one was a primetime game, and the Redskins had a comeback victory over the Cowboys, which included Santana Moss catching a touchdown very late in the game, and they won that game 14-13. My next um, honorable mention was the Kirk Cousins who liked that game. This game happened October 25th of 2015. This was week seven. And the Redskins overcame a 24 to nothing deficit to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The final score of that game was 31 to 30. This was also the largest comeback win in franchise history. Kirk Cousins finished that game with 317 passing yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, he finished that game and he said, you like that? He said that um, to the camera. 
And I was actually at that game. So that's part of another reason why it's a memorable moment in my lifetime. I want to reiterate, these are the most memorable moments that occurred in my lifetime. Another honorable mention is Kirk Cousins getting franchise tagged twice. Um, We all know about that whole debacle and... It got ugly. You know, Kirk Cousins was getting franchised. You know, the first the first year he got franchise tag, I understood you absolutely wanted to see what you got from the guy, you know, what you really have. And, yeah, you, you just want to see. You know, it's not uncommon for a player to get franchise tag one time. It happens every year. Uh, Dak Prescott just got franchise tagged. A.J. Green just got franchise tagged. It, it's, it's not uncommon, you know what I'm saying? But for him, for it to happen to him twice... It's a little uncommon, especially for a quarterback. You know, quarterbacks are usually players you sign and you lock up for a long-term deal. I think the big issue in that is that the Redskins never got compensation back for him. I believe they got like a compensatory pick. But at the time, you probably could have traded Kirk Cousins for maybe a first, possibly a second to, you know, a more quarterback needy team. I believe at the time the Broncos needed a quarterback. They since solved that issue. Well, hopefully they solved it with Drew Locke. The Jets needed a quarterback. Uh, this was before they got Sam Darnold. And, you know, th there was things that could have been done and measures that could have been taken to get some compensation back for Kirk Cousins. So that is my third honorable mention is Kirk Cousins getting franchise tagged twice. Now, let's get into my top five. These are my personal top five. So I know I probably have at least three or four m moments that happened that you all might agree with. So again, if you're just tuning in, these are my top five most memorable moments in my lifetime. I'm 25 years old. So since 1995, these, in my opinion, are the most memorable moments in Redskins franchise history. So number five, I have Clinton Portis getting traded to the Washington Redskins for Champ Bailey. This, this trade happened back in 2004. And at the time, Champ Bailey was an all-pro corner. And, you know, he went on to retire and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Clinton Portis was a young up and coming running back uh, who had a monster game. I, mean, I don't remember who he played, but he had like like five touchdowns and he threw in the uh, World Heavyweight Championship belt and all of that. And I remember him getting traded. And I remember when he first came to the Redskins, me and my dad went to go meet him at a meet and greet at Circuit City. And he signed my football. I still have that football. But yeah, man, Clinton Portis, he went on to have a decent career, you know, rushed for over a thousand yards like four or five times in a seven year career with the Skins. And he has since retired. Uh, Champ Bailey, as I mentioned, he went on to play for a decade for the Denver Broncos and was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I guess you can say the Broncos won that trade, but Clinton Portis did have some productive years. But the Redskins haven't had a shutdown corner since Champ Bailey. You know, they, they, they did get guys like Josh Norman. That experiment was a failure. And they also had D'Angelo Hall for a while. He was solid for the Skins. And yeah, man, that's my first uh, memorable moment. That's in my top five. Clint Porter's getting traded to the Redskins for Champ Bailey back in 2004. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, uh, my guy Xavier just checked in. My guy... Um, Darius just checked in. My guy Rob just checked in. And yeah, man, <laughs> someone said the Monday Night Massacre is their favorite moment, <laughs> most memorable moment. Oh uh, yeah, man, that game was that game was ugly, man. That game was ugly. Got blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles early on. 
Uh, but but thanks you thank you guys for tuning in, man. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, my number four moment is Joe Gibbs return to coaching in 2004. Joe Gibbs returns to coaching January 7th, 2004. In that span, the Redskins made the playoffs in 2006, the 05-06 season. And they also made it in 2007. So that was a time where a lot of people, a lot of D.C. sports fans were really, really excited. They were hoping that Joe Gibbs could replicate the success that the Redskins once had. Obviously, he was the coach of their three Super Bowl wins. So, yeah, that was a time where a lot of people were excited. I know I was only 11 years old, well, nine years old, rather. And I didn't really know much much about Joe Gibbs, but... I knew a lot of people were excited. My dad, who's a big diehard Redskins fan, he was very excited at the time. So that that was a big moment. And they did make the playoffs twice in his uh, next stint with the Skins. So he was there from James. He was there from 2004 to 2007. Um, my next moment is the one playoff win that happened in my lifetime. That was January 7th, 2006. The Redskins defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the only time that the Redskins won a playoff game in my lifetime. So that's pretty memorable. Sean Taylor returned the fumble, kind of like Williams fumble for a touchdown to help seal the game. And the Skins won 17 to 10. <laughs> Zeke, I'm going to get into that too. That's on my list. Let's see. My next moment is... That's why I didn't want to put best. That's why I put memorable. So a very memorable moment, and I'm sure you all will agree, was the tragic death of Sean Taylor and the game that followed. Uh, the game was on December 2nd, 2007. And I, let, let's just back up a little bit. Um, when Sean Taylor passed away, I remember being in the seventh grade and I remember calling my dad after school, how I usually would do. And, you know, I called him and he said, um, you heard about Sean Taylor, and I'm like, like, nah, not really. I just, I just got out of school. You know, that's before smartphones, that's before Bleacher Report and all of that stuff. And I called him, and you know, he said Sean Taylor got shot. And I'm like, he got shot? What do you mean? Like, where was he at? And he was at his his home in Miami, Florida. And the guys that that broke into his house, uh, he actually knew them, which made it even more sad. And you know, he was shot in his leg, and I think. I think the moment where it really hit home is because on the Football Life documentary, the doctor has someone someone has said that if the bullet had would have bounced a quarter of an inch in any other direction, that he still would have lived. And that was, you know, just really heart crushing. And Sean Taylor is my favorite player to ever play football. So that was, you know, a huge blow for, you know, people like me, a huge Redskins fans and also people who our football fans, man, that hit home pretty much for everybody. And Sean Taylor, he was on the, he was on the rise to you know stardom and greatness. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was really good. I'm not gonna say he was better than Troy Polamalu and uh, Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed, but he was definitely on that level. He was, he was ascending upwards. You know what I'm saying? He was, he had only been in the NFL for a few short years, and you know he, he, he was promising, man. He was, he was a promising young star. Um, I just really enjoy watching him play, and yeah, man, it's still still sad, man. But the game that followed was on December second, two thousand and seven. It was against the Buffalo Bills. I actually went to that game with my dad, and we didn't have really good seats at all. But 
we made up. We 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 actually weren't even gonna go, but I said, you know, Dad, we should we should do it for Sean. We should do it for Sean Taylor, man. We you know, we, you know, we're we're Skins fans. We should definitely go, and and just do it for him, man. And the Redskins actually, it, it had been talks that they may forfeit the game, and stuff of that nature. They may not play, but Sean Taylor's father insisted that they play, and that's what Sean would want them to do. And they went out there and played. They did lose that game. And on the first defensive possession, they had 10 players on the field and they played as if Sean Taylor was still on the field. They, they, they played that play for him. And I just remember being there. It was sad. It was a tribute, moment of silence, all of that stuff. And I still have the 21 towel that they gave out at the game. Me and my dad both still have ours. So that's uh, another memorable moment, uh, the death of Sean Taylor and the game that followed that following Sunday. Um, my last moment is... Is a great time was a great time to be a Redskins fan, and that was RG3's rookie season, man. He lit it up his rookie year. I remember the opening game versus the Saints. I remember him uh, beating the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. I remember him leading the Redskins to the playoffs. All of that stuff. Um, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. They did give up, you know, a lot of picks to get RG3, and it's unfortunate that you know it didn't last. It didn't have you know, sustainability, because when you draft the quarterback, you expect him to be, you know, the leader of the franchise 10 to 12 years. You know, unfortunately, he got hurt and, you know, just never really materialized, man. That's that was a really I remember that time, man, the Redskins fans were talking so much trash. They were hyping up RG3 to be, you know, the greatest quarterback <laughs> since sliced bread. B. Jones know what I'm talking about, man. B. Jones told me that people told him that RG3 was better than Tom Brady. Like, that's how crazy people were going over RG3. But his rookie year was definitely a year to remember. And those are my most memorable moments in Redskins history. See some of you guys are tuning in. And it's crazy, man. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, So... I wanted to talk to talk to you guys about uh, some more moments and kind of like just some it's kind of like some superlatives, honestly. So and then we're going to say goodbye to the Redskins and, you know, hopefully they come up with a name change soon. I know that they're under a lot of fire right now. And yeah, man, but let's talk. So the last Redskins game, they lost 47 to 16 to the Cowboys. That was week 17 on December 29, 2019. Their last win was a 29-21 victory against the Panthers December 1st, 2019. The last to score points as a Redskins was kicker Dustin Hopkins, and he kicked a 28-yard field goal against the Cowboys in that last game. Last player to score a touchdown was Steven Sims, and he caught that touchdown, I believe it was from Case Keenum. Case Keenan was the last quarterback to throw a touchdown. Last to score a rushing touchdown was Adrian Peterson with a one-yard touchdown against the Giants December 22, 2019. Last to have a 300-yard passing game, Case Keenum, 343-yard passing, passing yards versus the Bears on September 23, 2019. Last to have a 100-yard receiving game was second-year receiver Terry McLaurin, 130-yard receiving game versus the Philadelphia Eagles on December 15, 2019. Really excited um, for what Terry McLaurin's going to do in year two. Last to have a 100-yard rushing game was Darius Geis in that Panthers win. He had 129 rushing yards 
on December the 1st, 2019. Last to record a sack was Jonathan Allen, who had a four-yard sack on quarterback Dak Prescott back in week 17, uh, December 29th, another game I'm alluding to. So obviously a lot of those moments are going to occur pretty much in December 2019. Um, Last to record an interception, Fabian Moreau picked off Panthers quarterback at the time, Kyle Allen, a last to score a defensive touchdown was Preston Smith, who scored on a one-yard fumble recovery versus the Cowboys on October 21st, 2018. And some highlights for real. Let's see. Um, last to have a thousand yards receiving in a season. Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson both did it in 2016. Pierre Garcon had 1,041 yards, and Deshaun Jackson had 1,005 yards in 2016. Last to have 1,000-yard rushing yards in a season, that was Adrian Peterson with 1,042 yards in 2018. Last to have a double-digit sacks in a season, Ryan Kerrigan had 13 sacks in 2018. Last to make a Pro Bowl, was Tressway and Brandon Scherf this past year. Last first-round pick, my guy Chase Young, was the second overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Their last draft pick was James Smith-Williams, seventh-round pick in 2020. Last to be signed was Aaron Colvin, May 14th, 2020. The last to be traded was Trent Williams, traded to the San Francisco 49ers during the NFL Draft. Last supplemental draft pick, Adonis Alexander in 2018. Last to block a kick, B. Jones, you're going to laugh at this, but that was Nate Orchard versus the Giants on December 22nd, 2019. The last playoff appearance was in 2016 where they lost 35-18 to to the Green Bay Packers. And the last playoff win was a win that I alluded to earlier. That was a 17-10 victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back on January the 7th, 2006. So I hope you guys enjoyed that brief segment. And (laughs) I had a lot of fun talking about it, man. I I, I actually scripted this. This is the part I was telling you guys about that I actually scripted. So I hope you guys enjoyed that little segment. Um, Let's move on to another topic, a topic that's been controversial to say the least um we have i want to talk about elena deladon mystic star reigning mvp she wrote a letter to the players tribune talking about her fight with lyme disease and she's been battling that for over a decade 12 years she said and she was talking about how her personal doctor said you know she should be able to be able to opt out medically of the NBA bubble, I mean, WNBA bubble, because she is at risk with Lyme disease and her doctor just doesn't feel that it's safe. Also, the Mystics doctor say, you know, she should be able to get clear, but the WNBA hasn't signed off on her medical release and she's basically being forced to, forced to play and, you know, play with her at risk condition, which is Lyme disease or forfeit her checks. And, that's 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 her livelihood. That's her money that she used to provide for herself and as well as her family. So she's really heartbroken and I'm heartbroken for her. And it's just unfortunate because the WNBA, you guys got to do better. This is one of your stars. This is one of your elite players. This will be the same 
as if and she also said in the article that she doesn't make the NBA player money. So she doesn't have the luxury to just, you know, sit out and not collect the check. You know what I'm saying? She alluded to that in the article. This would be the same as if the NBA were to do this to LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, James Harden, you know, any of your elite players. So I really feel bad for her. And my heart goes out to her because that's that's really disheartening to treat. If Listen, if they're treating your stars like this. They're obviously going to treat everyone else the same. And that's that's what's really heartbreaking about this whole sequence. And I'm and I'm really sad. So the, the Mystics are preparing to play without her in the bubble. WNBA season is back this Saturday on July 25th. And I just wanted to share that, man. I just wanted to share some some light on that. And that that's a real issue. And my heart really goes out to Elena Deladon, man, because that's that that's unfair. That's unfair. Um, some other good news. Baseball is back on Thursday, guys. Jan I mean, I was going to say January. July 23rd, we'll have the MLB, MLB season back, and it'll be bike, as I say. And we have the Nationals reigning World Series champions going up against the New York Yankees. And I'm excited. That's, that game is going to be at 7 p.m. on Thursday on ESPN. I'm excited. Those are my two favorite teams. I support the Nats, man. I've been a Yankees fan ever since I can remember. My dad's a big Yankees fan. I remember when they won the World Series back in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, the Derek Jeter, the Alex Rodriguez days, CC Sabathia, who just retired. Remember those days? Mark Teixeira. They had a squad, man. They had a squad. But the Yankees are my team. I do like Aaron Judge. He's probably... He's one of the faces of the MLB up there with, I would say, Mike Trout, up-and-coming star, rising star Juan Soto, pitchers like Garrett Cole, uh, those cheating players on the Astros. But um, baseball is in good hands, man. I'm really, really excited just to see that it's back, man. I know obviously there's going to be no fans, but it's great to see the Nats and the Yankees play two of the you know, baseball's premier teams, the Yankees, one of baseball's story franchises. I'm really, really excited to see some action, man. I know if you guys don't like baseball, man, it kind of grew on me as well. I'd be telling B. Jones to watch it, but B. Jones said he's not going to do it. But I like baseball, man. I, I, it's definitely grown on me. I think it's better to be at a live game because you get the full effect. But... It's a good sport, man. It's a good sport. So baseball will return this coming Thursday, July 23rd. I'm very, very excited. The WNBA is back, as I mentioned, on July 25th. The Mystics will be... And it's what a time to be a DC sports fan. The Mystics will be able to defend their crown. Obviously, they, they may be without Elena Deladon. Uh, Natasha Cloud is another player who opted out. I believe Tina Charles isn't going to play as well. So that that's kind of a blow for the Mystics. Um, who look to defend their title. But the WNBA is indeed back this upcoming Saturday on July 25th. Also, next week, next Friday, we have the NBA returning July 31st. I know you guys are excited for that. I'm very excited for that. I got an episode that I'm planning um, with two familiar faces who have been on Curry in the Pot. And we're going to talk about it, man. We're going to talk about it. I'm very, very excited for that. And that's all I have um, pretty much, you know, if you guys want to dive into some questions, 
I'm here to answer all questions. So, you know, if you guys have some questions, let's get into it. I know I covered a multitude of things so far, but if you guys, if you guys want to ask me some questions, I'll be more than willing and more than happy to answer your questions. Take care of what it do, what it do. I got to holler at you. I got to holler at you once I get off this live, man. Uh, got, got, got something cooked up that I want to talk to you about. Uh, but how's everybody doing, man? I had a very productive Monday. I went jogging this morning. I went swimming this afternoon. I'm feeling really good, man. I think I'm going to sleep well tonight, but I'm feeling good, man. How's everybody doing? I believe I got like 20 minutes on the live. So if you guys have some sports-related questions, um, feel free to ask. I'm more than happy to answer them. Let's see. I want to see what's in here real quick. So my aunt said earlier, my aunt said earlier um, that she hopes Daniel Snyder is forced to sell the team. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. I don't know if it will happen because we've seen we've seen in instances like this. You know, Robert Kraft, um, everything that he did. You know, he didn't he didn't get they didn't, they didn't make him sell the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens. It's interesting to see what happens. I did get a question from my guy, Xavier Wary. He said the NBA MVP. Um, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. I think here's what I think. The best player this year has been Giannis. He's been the best player this year. His numbers have improved from his MVP season last year, and the Bucs just were playing phenomenal basketball before the break even uh, occurred. Now, who I think gonna win? I think LeBron James is gonna win MVP because the MVP is such, the MVP award in the NBA is such narrative driven that it, it, it's all about the great story. And I was telling my guy Xavier this yesterday, it's all about the better story. What sounds better, the Bucks doing what they did last year or LeBron James in year 17, the washed king. You know, what sounds better? The best record in the West. What what sounds better? Obviously, the second thing I said, LeBron James, it, it sounds better. Even though Anthony Davis is leading the Lakers in other categories that LeBron isn't, but what sounds better? LeBron James playing point guard in year 17. You know what I'm saying? They called him the washed king, stuff like that. It's all about the better story. And I think that's the reason why and me and Xavier talked about this yesterday. That Kobe Bryant only won one MVP. Rest in peace to the bean. I got it on my shirt. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace to Kobe and Gigi. I got it on my shirt. But these stories is why is why players don't win the MVP sometimes, man. And it, and it sucks. Russell Westbrook, he had a great story a couple of years ago, averaging a triple-double, the first to do it since Oscar Robertson. But the Thunder were like the sixth seed in the West that year. But it's all about great story, you know what I'm saying? The NBA is it's very narrative-driven. Not so much in the NFL. They give it to whoever has the best, who's the best player on the best team that year. Lamar won it. Mahomes won it. It's it's been proven to happen in the in the NFL, but in the NBA, it's a little different. Yeah, the Panthers were forced to sell their team, and that's another thing. I think um, 
and that, that's another that's another, I can segue to another topic. Ron Rivera, I feel like, is a great coach to be equipped to handle another some more. He's, he's the best coach equipped to handle some more chaos and controversy and, you know, scandals and stuff like that, because he he literally went through it a few years ago with the Panthers. And, you know, yes, to answer your question, they were forced to sell their team. They have new ownership in there now. And, yeah, great question, though. Great question. Any more questions? Any more heat, man? I got Squire. What it do? Shout out to Family Affair. Shout out to Family Affair Clothing Line. Um, just shout out to all of you guys, man. I'm going to sit here for a couple more minutes. Hopefully, you guys have some more questions. And, but this was a fun episode, man. This was a really fun episode. Best running backs in the league. Great question, man. Great question. I feel like my top five. Ooh. This has been a topic on like sports shows too. So I'm yeah, I, I want to answer this. I want to talk. So I think the best running back in the NFL is Saquon Barkley. Although he was injured last year and missed a few games. I think he's the best running back in the league. A uh, second, I would say Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the second best running back in the league. Um, third, I'm going to go Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to say he's the third best. Um, mm, fourth best. Fourth best. I'm going to say... This is kind of tough. I think I think I'm gonna say Alvin Kamara. I think I'm gonna say Alvin Kamara is the fourth best running back. Uh, fifth. That's tough. Fifth, I might go. I might go Aaron Jones. I think I'm gonna go Aaron Jones. So my top five. And then uh, number six, I would say is Dalvin Cook. Six, I would say Dalvin Cook. Um. So yeah, my top five. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Who did I say fourth? Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. And then I will say Dalvin Cook. I said Dalvin Cook is number six. I don't think. I mean, he had a great year. Um, he's a guy that gets hurt. But I would say I would say he's six. You could definitely argue that he's a top five running back. I won't. You know, I won't disagree. But my top five, yeah, we got Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Derrick Henry's on the outside as well. Derrick Henry's right there too. And then, you know, he got that category, Derrick Henry after Derrick Henry. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, if he can get it get it back together. Because uh, Le'Veon Bell was the best running back just a few years ago. He was the best. Um, yeah. Yeah, good question though, man. Good question. I think Derrick Henry's he's right in that mix. You could definitely argue him being top five as well. Great question. Any more questions? Are you excited about are you more excited about basketball or football this season? Great question. Great question. Those are obviously my two favorite sports. But I would say I would say I'm more excited for basketball. Simply because the Lakers, my favorite team in all the sports, have a chance to win a championship. They have a chance to do something they haven't done in a decade. Last time they won was 2010. 
They won their second of back-to-back chips. And so I would say I'm more excited for basketball, just off the strip of that. And basketball is my favorite sport anyways, but football is definitely a very, very close second. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Chase Young um, play in his rookie year. I think he's going to be great. I am saying that Chase Young is going to get double-digit sacks, and he's going to elevate the defense for the skins. And, yeah, I'm excited for... I'm excited for that, and I'm just excited in general to see the Chiefs, see Patrick Mahomes, Patrick LeBama was the second. As I say, I'm excited to see Lamar Jackson, see how he'll be after last year. And, yeah, NFL is very, very exciting, man. I'm very excited for fantasy football. I love fantasy football. I live for that. So I would say I'm more excited for NBA simply because the Lakers have a, have a really good chance of winning the championship and then right behind will be the NFL. See, who's going to be Mahomes' biggest competition throughout his career, Lamar or Watson? So I would say I would say that his biggest competition would be I would say his biggest competition would be Lamar Jackson, not because not because, and I think Deshaun Watson's a better, I think he's a better thrower of the football. But I think, I think Deshaun, I think Lamar Jackson will be his biggest competition because the Ravens are a really good team and they're a very great, well-run organization. The Texans haven't proven to be a well-run organization, even though they did make the playoffs. But they did just trade away DeAndre Hopkins, probably their what, third best player. You now Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt. He's like the third best player. So it sucks that they did that. But I, I, I got to see how they continue to put pieces around them. But I would say Lamar Jackson, man, he just won MVP. Something Deshaun Watson hasn't done. I think he can and is capable of being an MVP. But I would say, I would say Lamar Jackson, man. I would say Lamar Jackson. Great question, though. Great question. Any more questions before I head out? Some good stuff, man. Some good stuff. So, I think I'm going to wrap this thing up. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to all my listeners that always listen. Um, thank you guys so much for the continued love and support. Literally, I cannot do this without you guys' love and support. You guys keep me going. I always have the burning fire inside of me to come and talk to you guys about sports. But you are really the, you know, the glue that keeps this thing going. And I, I couldn't thank you guys anymore. I really love you guys. And, you know, for everybody that's listening, the audio version, I love you guys as well. This is Mike Curry signing out. Episode number 136 is done. Peace. I love you guys.